Mumble, your monthly movie exploration and discussion podcast where we seek to broaden our cinematic horizons. I haven't said that line in a while, I don't think, <laughs> so I wanted to toss it in. I'm your host, Scott Murray, and uh, thank you for coming to listen. Uh, movie Mumble is four friends who get together, watch a movie, and then talk about it. Uh, we take turns picking in hopes that we can introduce each other to new movies or to old favorites or just... The idea is that we get more out of the experience when it's shared with each other than we do alone. That's proven to be pretty true many times throughout this podcast. Except The Shining. <laughs> I, got, I, I got much more out of it with you guys than I did on my own, though. I still did, even though I didn't that like episode. it. Go back and listen. <laughs> um, to be fair, I also didn't like whatever the uh, Steve Zissou. So that was <laughs> just to be fair. That wasn't the only one. That wasn't the only one that someone hated. Oh dear. Uh, anyway, we all get together. We take turns picking. Uh, we can pick anything we want: foreign, domestic, new, old, etc. There are no rules. Just that. Uh, just that's gonna be a movie. I guess there really are no rules. Um, but yeah, it started partly as a way to introduce people to films that are hard to explain. You know, you just need to watch, and partly because, yeah, we we do get more out of these things with each other. I, in all seriousness, the discussion <laughs> around The Shining is great. So, uh, as mentioned, I'm your host, Scott, and I'm joined, as always, by my uh, stone-cold, intimidating wheelman, Joel Lewis. Howdy. Tim Gerard. Hello. And Zeke Perez. Hello. <laughs> uh, Thank you all, as always. Zeke, thanks for coming back. Of course. Yeah. We mentioned that scared me away. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, wait, I thought I was part of the crew now. What do you mean, thanks for coming no, back? I, you know, we mentioned last time we were bringing Zeke on permanently, but, you know, we, we never know. Maybe he hated it. Right? Yeah, it's <laughs> one cycle of new guy jokes, right. and then we'll have to bury it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we'll try. We'll probably just write it hard for the rest of it. Some new guy? For the rest it's been four the years! Yeah. Two we'll on a guest that we've never had before, and still treat them as an older presence than Zeke. Right. <laughs> so uh, we're here with Bruce Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> so in our uh, four film cycle, uh, where we each take turns, I go second. It was my turn this month, and I brought us Drive, uh, the film with Ryan Gosling that was advertised poorly and thankfully managed to gain a cult following anyway, despite confusing audiences. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a little system in place to determine who gets to or has to describe <laughs> this film to you. So each month, the movie selector, which is me, will roll this six-sided die we have, and depending on the outcome, uh, Eiler, Tim, Zeke, or Joel will ch- get to choose who describes the film to you. Right? They're still yeah. choosing, yes? Yeah. So uh, the die is actually six-sided. Production only has three outcomes, plus, minus, and neutral, because I'm the selector and of where I'm sitting. Tim is minus, Zeke is zero, and Joel is plus. Woo. Let's find out. And it's a minus. So, Tim, hmm. who do you want to have to talk about this film? I almost want to take this one. Yeah. Because we just watched the trailer, and it's essentially the whole fucking film. <laughs> so it's fresh in my mind. Thank you. Also, like, but this is like the first time in a long time you've had the power to choose. Yeah, yeah. that's true. So <laughs> I feel like I've fucked with you the last we, six movies. If we take Tim to yeah. a casino, he'll lose more than us and make us feel good. what we've learned right. from all this coin-flipping, die-rolling experiment. <laughs> So, it's about a guy. He's a, he's a wheel man. He's a driver, yeah. and he, uh, you know, he did, he'll do these jobs where he doesn't involve himself in the jobs. He just, he's just a driver, and you find out he's also a stunt driver for movies, and he also part time works as a mechanic um, for Brian Cranston <laughs> with a broken pelvis, and um, <clears throat> you know, in his apartment, he meets this woman who has a little kid, and you know, he's kind of. 
you know, being friendly with her, come to find out, you know, the kid's got a dad who's in prison, you know, uh, after they hang out a little while, the dad comes out of prison. At first, he's like, hey, you've been hanging out at my place. But then dad gets threatened by some some thugs, uh, threatens the family. So Ryan Gosling's character decides he's going to help him out and be like, okay, you know, they, he, oh, he's all like, they want me to do a job, but I don't want to do it. And he's like, oh, we're going to do If this is going to get you out of it, we're going to do the job. I'm going to help you, you know, and and which is really cool because you see this like selfless side of Ryan Gosling's character where at first he's like, kind of you know spending time with this woman who he knows has a husband in jail um and you kind of assume that it's going to be like "Uh oh what's going to happen when he gets out of jail and actually he's kind of more um he he kind of like sets the family as a whole kind of above like him himself you know him wanting to be with her is less important than the whole family being safe and everything um so he goes to do the heist course goes horribly wrong the 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 husband of the the girl he's into ends up getting killed um you know there's another car there they kind of him and this other girl uh blanche who is also involved you know they escape to a hotel he questions her and he's like what the fuck's going on she's like oh we were gonna you know after you got the money we were gonna rob it from you it was part of this whole thing so uh, then people come in, try to kill both of them. They blow Branch's brains all over the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling escapes. Um, and, uh, you know, he, then he's trying to kind of piece together, okay, who do I need to go after? I, he's got all this money. Um, and he kind of realizes, like, okay, as long as I have this, like, you know, she's not safe. And he's, he's again, trying to basically just keep this, this woman and her kids safe and get out of there he even calls like you know he kind of hunts down the 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 boss or who i guess you know the, the sort of he gets to the end of where he thinks this goes but then come to find out well that guy was stealing this money from someone else so it goes even farther than that but the movie doesn't go that far anyway you know kind of offers to just give the money back he's like i'll give you the money i just don't i just want I this to stop you know? what you get out of it yeah just that, that. Just that. out of it <laughs> yeah yeah you know, and but that's of course, you know, they're mobsters and criminals, and that's not good enough. And so then it comes down to this whole thing. Well, you know, the dri- we got to get the money back, but the driver's gonna die, and you know, all this other uh, chaos ensues, and everybody's killing everybody. And you know, um, finally, it kind of works out where um, pretty much everybody's dead. But except for Ryan Gosling and the girl and her kid. So it's kind of like, okay, I guess we're okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and sort of two interesting things. Like when they when they were making, he's got this huge scorpion on his back. And, you know, they kept sort of making a, a, a show of it, like on his, on his jacket. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is going to be the whole scorpion and the frog parable, you know. And then sure enough, at the end, he brings it up. And I was like, oh, cool. And... But what was kind of interesting, like an interesting twist, you know, and like, you know, sort of the two ends of that parable that I like is number one, the scorpion says, you know, it's, it's in my nature, you know, it's like, even when he promises not to do a thing, he still does the thing. But then the other part of it is that like in the parable, the scorpion dies too, because when he stabs the frog, the frog is taking him across the river and they both drown. So, um, which, you know, I guess you could attribute that to maybe his his uh, kind of sacrificing nature where I'm going to go in to do this to get her out. But he does survive. Um, and for that reason alone, I almost wish he would have ended up dying in the end. It would have been more of this sort of, like, you know, yeah, it's I'm in his nature. You know? the parable because I was just telling Joel, on this watching, and I've watched this a lot, it finally clicked for me. Because what I always assumed was that Ryan Gosling is our scorpion. 
mm-hmm. it's on his jacket. Right. But when he says that to, to Bernie, the guy at the end, mm-hmm. he's not talking about himself as a scorpion. He's talking about Bernie. Because he knows that whatever Bernie promises him, whatever he says, whatever freedom he offers, mm-hmm. that it's he can't trust it. So at the end, sure enough, Bernie stings. He literally stabs him. Right. And he turns it around on him. He kills him instead. Which, that was another moment I kind of found disappointing. Because it's like, I feel like he was expecting this, and he still got stabbed. Yeah. You know, like... And maybe, again, maybe that's part of the parable aspect of it, is he right. has to get and stabbed. maybe he know? was sort of hoping that he was wrong, you know? Yeah. That Bernie would really honor it. Uh, maybe but, he yeah. thought Bernie would move at a different time. Yeah. But, like, the way he approached the car, where the money was with Bernie behind him, I was like, uh, come on, man, you're better than this. Um, and then the other funny part... Um, was uh, I told Scott this the other day. Two days ago, I was watching Ugh. an episode of Bob's Burgers with my wife, and the, it was an episode where uh, like ten pounds of hamburg fell on the floor. And they <laughs> use it. So the kids are like, "Can we have it?" And they end up taking it and molding a meat man, meat man. and doing a stop motion uh, animated movie. And they're at the end of it, and it's been days, and the meat is starting to rot and turn gray, and it's falling apart. And at this point, Teddy's helping them. And, you know, they're kind of like, well, how are we going to end this? It's like, you know, and it's like, at one point they say something like, you know, like, they're talking about, like, how what they could do. And at one point he was, like, driving a car. And then Teddy goes, well, we just can't have him drive off into the distance like Ryan Gosling and drive. And I was like, oh, cool, okay. He said that to me, and I just went, ah! Because Tim was the only one here who'd never seen this before. Yeah. And it was funny, too, because, like, that's the thing. It's like, if we had... I don't think we had watched Bob's Burgers. Yeah, we didn't watch it like yesterday and didn't watch it today, you know. So it's like if we had not watched that episode, I would have seen it like on Saturday. It'd right. been like, oh, I get that reference. Right. But because I watched it on Wednesday, <laughs> it, it was a spoiler. Thanks, Teddy. Yeah. yeah. So that's, there you go. Yeah. That's not the first uh, Bob's Burgers reference to drive. Oh, Louise really? dresses up as Ryan Gosling one year for Halloween. Yeah, for Halloween. She's, she's got the scorpion got the jacket. And and oh, man. Oh, okay. And a hammer, right? <laughs> yes, yeah, she has a hammer. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so that's... I <laughs> that's mean, a fucking teddy. <laughs> so that's, that's your film. It's, it's, it's a slow burn crime sort of love story tragedy that, you know, really takes its time. And it, all the advertising is action and... and Violence and car chase, and it's called Drive, and here are some cars, and and I really this was absolutely a victim of its advertising. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, of no one knowing how to advertise it, because just to some the film up to somebody, there's a driver, he does heists, he's falling in love with his neighbor, neighbor's husband is a criminal, he's in for a debt, guy decides to help them, they get in over their head. We're like halfway through the movie now, mm-hmm. just with those sentences. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to be fair, your advertising choices were basically tell them almost nothing. Or explain the whole film. And I know that's not an easy position, but he didn't also need to make it look like an action movie. <laughs> ah, okay, okay, rant over. Well, this is my second and a half time seeing it. I saw it uh, once right after it came out, out on DVD, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't like it, to be honest. Yeah, um, yeah, and I just didn't hate it either, but it was just, I was yeah. expecting a lot more. I expected it to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we were watching it tonight, the first half seemed really clear so i think i had watched it watched the first half on tv when it was on and had you know before i had it out or something like that um but i really really liked it this time Mm -hmm. and i think that's why i wanted to cue up the trailer 
and yeah. we were thinking about doing it before the movie, and I wanted to hold off just yeah. in case well, it so did influence it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. For Tim's uh, sake, was right? Because as Tim said, it yeah. was the whole fucking movie. Yeah. So <laughs> glad we did that after because mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that's what it was when I saw the trailer. Didn't get to see it in theaters, but when it came out on DVD, watched it. And I was ex- expecting something maybe more, I don't know, Fast and the furious or... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those uh, were or, really or, big at the time. Yeah, and, and even... Not that yeah, the movie itself are, but, yeah. wasn't suspenseful, but in the trailer they build up the suspense in a very different way, and I think I was expecting mm-hmm. that, rather than the slow burn. Exactly. It's yeah. interesting that it's called Drive, because it's almost... His being a driver is almost incidental to the film. Yeah. Well, and know, I was thinking I, about that, and I think it more has... Like, for me, like, I was kind of seeing that whatever's happening he's just pushing forward right. you know and it's it's that's that it's about that forward momentum yeah. you know that like yeah it's not it's not called park <laughs> <laughs> coast <laughs> drive when you drive on a parkway <laughs> but yeah it's just it, i mean it's it's i'm a sucker for this this was like someone reached into my head and went what should we make for Scott? <laughs> Down to the fucking soundtrack. Down to the yeah. watch. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. well, no, we can't figure out what well, it is. here's the thing. I, I was not into watches when this came out, so I didn't really... That part didn't pick up. Mm-hmm. There was and, a time before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, it was made for future Scott. <laughs> really, yeah. And then the soundtrack didn't... I. It's sort of... This is the reason I'm into electronic music. Ah. So, like, it wasn't... Again, that wasn't something I already liked that the film had and made me go, yeah, like it was something that the film opened my eyes to and I went, whoa. Um, mm-hmm. The opening credits song, Night Call there, I just, I went and bought that whole album. And it's amazing. Yeah. I love it. And that's the only slow song in the whole album, actually. <laughs> yeah, so but it's still great. And then, yeah, like the, the watches and the electronic music have developed over the next couple of years. Just, that's, I don't know, that's how life went, I suppose. But, but otherwise, anyway, it has this powerful handsome protagonist uh can daddy gars be any more fucking attractive in this movie oh my god oh man the man makes like one little i don't know if it's just like you you get the 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 neutral face for so much but the second you see the curl of a smile you're like god damn it daddy gars and carrie mulligan is just gorgeous yes she is and everyone else i mean brian the performances are all phenomenal the whole film is awash in that sort of real life day night cycle mm-hmm. between the electric gl- electric sort of not glow but almost harsh glare of nighttime it's of, a very neon aesthetic to yeah it. and then the sort of the smooth sunrise into that like plain color washed out daylight mm-hmm. back into the sunset and the, uh, we follow that prog- progression through the entire film pretty effectively yeah um the film likes to take its time I like films that take their time and let scenes breathe and the characters be silent and uh, they linger on that last shot of Gaza's face when we don't know if he's alive or dead for yeah. a long time. Oh it almost feels like it's buffering, it's that long. Yeah, and the cool music. The plot was it had its twists and turns, but I could still follow it on my first watch through, mm-hmm. which was nice, especially compared to some other things I've watched. Um, and just, yeah, it was, I don't know, it hit all the right boxes. So, so yeah, I love it. <laughs> I think I mentioned at the end of last episode that it's one of my general top fives mm-hmm. for sure I'm still convinced that this is the reason Ryan Gosling was cast into a Blade Runner sequel it has a lot of similar threads yeah I mean I'm just imagining and visually and then just that his whole performance is sort of robotic 
throughout this. Yeah. It's very but restrained. Not not so much that it's not accessible. This is more. This is what I wanted from Aaron Paul in Need for Speed. Yeah. This was what I wanted because yeah. it's it's. I wrote it down. What is? It's part High Plains Drifter. Yeah. And part James D. Yeah. That's what it is. I'm so glad you said High Plains Drifter he's, too. He's just like and that. Because it's Do we want to get into the noir discussion now? We can. Because I have all these things loaded up. Firstly, I'm glad you know High Plains Drifter, because that seems to consistently get left out when people talk about westerns, and that bothers me because it's so good. And it's not like it's a poorly known film, either. I mean, it's it's kind of iconic in western... Just I'm even talking about westerns, I've never seen the film, but I I see, know, you know that about I can. That's just what I mean about like I, I talk to people or see internet conversations about westerns all the time, and that never comes up. It never comes up, and it does it predate really the uh, the trilogy? Yeah, I, I don't know, but so anyway, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah, for sure. Um, thank you also for mentioning the western connection, which will be in the genre discussion <laughs> if and when we do that. <laughs> but um, just yeah, it, it had that that balance of. The character, you know, at the beginning, Tim, you mentioned that he doesn't attach himself to any of the jobs he runs. Yeah, he's still alive because he doesn't get involved. Mm-hmm. Never gets involved. There's no connections, no emotion, no anything. He does not care about people. And Carrie Mulligan manages to get emotion out of him. He feels. And as the film progresses, his character swings through these back and forths of, you know, having to be professional and cold, and then the emotion coming over him or laying it out in certain quantities uh, that you know Aaron Paul's character in Need for Speed his whole job is to basically be angry mm. <laughs> yeah. he has two levels yeah but you know very different kind of movie right so. it's interesting that the, the kind of the concept of the ready made family right yeah. as a drifter he, he has no biological imperative in that it's already it's built for him he can slip in and slip out in 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 interesting way, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to expose that bloodline to his damaged mind or so. Like, yeah, not, exactly. Not, there's implied that the people are good because they're not attached to him. Right, and that's that's kind of why he will never really fit in with them. Mm-hmm. Um, don't want to say too much on that because Hannibal season three gets into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, as everything that I want to discuss has to do with <laughs> the reason Hannibal. The is because he and I are watching through Hannibal mm-hmm. for my first time, and we're just about to finish season two. Yeah. That's why he's hesitant about a show that's been over <laughs> long, for a while. Sorry. <laughs> long spoil for um, anybody who didn't care. <laughs> that's why I love that... I, you're going to laugh at me, but I love the elevator scene. Yeah. Um, so I always love a good elevator scene. But, <laughs> but I love it because it's the moment that he knows he can't ever be with her. Mm-hmm. I, I jotted that in my notes too just the change on her facial expression as soon as he starts stomping oh, yeah. and she just slowly backs out of the elevator and you can just you know she sees him confront him and that's one thing but then he goes over the edge and her exactly. face just slowly drains we I just thought that was a perfect from shot the cold fight put him down on the floor and step on him into this mask of rage that he just evolves into right he also has this moment as he's looking at her that this, this sadness this hopefulness yeah. that like is there a way you can love me not seeing what I am? And he knows that she can't as she's walking off. That's a mirror of the first scene we see her. She's walking away with her khakis. And he's like looking from the outside, looking in on her in this this kind of domestic. Divided by the elevator. And then at the beginning of the elevator scene, he's talking to her in the hallway. 
mm-hmm. and he can he's suggesting they leave together. Yeah. And then the door opens, and there's the guy in there, yeah. and he steps in, and he sees the gun in the guy's waistband, and he knows that's it. It's like, nope. Either he knows because she won't be safe while he's around, A, or B, because he knows he has to kill this man right now, mm-hmm. and, and she's, she's going to have to see watch it. it. Right. <laughs> and that's there's no way to do it. The so sadness well. in his face is pitch perfect. Can we talk about Carrie Mulligan? Yeah. Because her performance just continues to astound me every time I watch this. It's flawless. Every inch of body language. The whole She's film... so good in it, the, yes. the Welcome Home Party. Yes. That, that... The whole film is a great just clinic in visual storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, there's almost no exposition. The characters there's don't very talk or explain. You can see on their face and their hands and their shoulder everything that they're thinking. Every half second of thought that passes through their brain when she slaps him in the elevator scene it's, so quick. it's like an eighth of a frame yeah. it's, it's nothing her change in her face but she just continues to do that just beautifully the little thing with her lip that she does throughout the film a couple of times when she first meets him properly yeah. and then when he's talking on the phone for the last time to her oh man she just knocked it out of the park that's the thing. She's she, she's not quite femme fatale, but she is that archetype. Mm-hmm. She has that mysterious. Mm-hmm. You know, she's been through shit. I was when I was looking at the the noir tropes today. I was yeah. writing that the femme fatale or female characters in noir are the complete opposite of born sexy. Yesterday, they are attractive. They are mysterious. Mm-hmm. But if they were born sexy yesterday, they wouldn't. Last, they, they have seen world. shit. Mm-hmm. Like they, they're, they're, they're battle hardened, and they have this mystique that they have that's almost. Uh, 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 we watched Chinatown. You remember? Yeah, yeah. A defense mechanism. Like this, there, there's this underlying. Well, you trauma. need to survive in a noir mm-hmm. world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even um, the character in Casablanca, whose name has escaped me now, mm-hmm. uh, but even though. I mean, whether Casablanca is a noir or not is its own argument. So I don't want to bother. But just the fact <laughs> that's that, going to be half our conversation is what is noir. But just the fact that she she's there. She's with the freedom fighter husband. She's working with him. She's doing. I mean, she's an active participant. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, especially Carrie Mulligan's performance in Drive here, the the son, her and, and Benicio, is again flawless. Again, in compared to movies in general, that sometimes I don't feel like act like like that's your child you know just the way they right. act towards mm-hmm. the child is not it doesn't fit either they're like afraid of children or they know it's not theirs or they're maintaining professional distance or whatever and that wasn't wasn't here in general but b i'll admit the kid does not look like her right. very much and my first weird thought was like when i first watched this and you first see them together it's that sort of oh is because you see them in a grocery store mm-hmm. you might I thought, is she babysitting, or is that her kid? But almost as soon as you see them interact during the scene at the garage, mm-hmm. it just, I knew it was her child, right. because of the way she, she acted towards him, and the way he acted towards her. Mm-hmm. Beautiful, and something that I don't think any other film has ever quite done for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. They play with silence a lot with depicting that family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like when they go through the, the grease uh, cat, or what is it? What is that thing called? The river? The river. The but like, river. <laughs> isn't that a... Anyway, where, where they shot the, the final 
uh, race in Greece is mm. where they go down. But like when when they're skipping rocks and stuff, that's all silent. Yeah, just music playing. And you have this like really intimate. Again, it's all told visually. Yeah, so the whole film is a visual story. Yeah. And we get that that sequence of him having the Benicio over his shoulder and the mm -hmm. jacket, jacket over top mm -hmm. twice. We get that twice, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Another character visual I really liked was, uh, I mean, Ron Perlman as Nino yeah. is pretty perfect. <sighs> and he's just got such an interesting face. So yeah. the first time you see him and he's in the diner and he asks uh, Ryan Gosling to leave and then you know, he's got his big sunglasses on and the, the ginormous smile yeah. that comes on his face. He's like, I'm just fucking with you. Just, <laughs> I don't know. He was so perfect, too. Mm -hmm. I really appreciated his performance. Yeah. He really, you know, he's a big guy to begin with, but he really just nailed that, like, throwing around the physical weight asshole that you needed. Right. Especially in contrast to, um, to the Bernie character, his business partner, who's mm -hmm. the, the calm, collected professional. The, the face in, of in the restaurants, and, yeah. right? And the two of them together, just yeah. you know. And when those two are coming to a head, and they're kind of talking about how everything works up the chain, and they're getting confrontational, you almost mm -hmm. think that Nino's going to come out alive just because of his power and everything. Yeah. But it's it's Bernie, right? Who, who, who wins know. the scene? Yeah, as it were. yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Something I I really like about the Bernie character is that despite being the, the one of the antagonists, eventually. Nino's character stays pretty two-dimensional. He's an asshole, he's getting money, he's a dick, they kill him. Right. But Bernie's character has depth almost from the start because he's talking to Brian Cranston, Shannon, the Shannon character, mm -hmm. in the restaurant. Cranston's trying to get money from him, and you can tell he like is trying to refuse to get into the deal, but not just because he doesn't want to loan all that money to somebody. Right. Partly because he just doesn't want Shannon to get in trouble anymore. Right, he doesn't want his he bad likes him. to continue. Yeah. And when he's talking to them after they've bought the car, and uh, Nino's off talking about the Corvette or whatever, you know, you can tell he's, he really is genuinely excited, kind of happy about this business venture, and he really likes Shannon and the work he does. And the confrontation you mentioned, Zeke, in the restaurant, and we have to kill everybody. Mm -hmm. You can tell he, ah, he's so upset. He has to kill his friend. Right. And the driver <laughs> guy we thought was kind of cool and was going to make him money, you know? Like, you can tell he's not happy with that. Right. But it's, you know... This business is what they have to do. They're going to die. Even so. with the final deal, you know, he says, if you give me the money, the girl's safe mm -hmm. forever. That's how yeah. it's going to be. You, I can't guarantee it. And you can tell he's like, there's nothing personal here. That's just, yeah. it is what it is. So. Yeah. And they both sort of can't afford to let the other live. Because Bernie can't afford to let the driver live. Because the driver's the only one who can connect him to the mob and get him murdered. But then the driver can't afford to let Bernie live because he's the only one who could about Irene. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you kind of get that uh, the sense from Cranston's character that he's kind of the, the fast talking high trousers type character that most of the exposition comes from him <laughs> and from Bernie. Yeah. Like their interactions gives you kind of the scope of what's going on in the history of these characters and it, it doesn't feel forced it doesn't feel written it just feels like Guy's a mechanic. He spends all day working with his hands and working with his mouth. Like that's mm -hmm. that's just the character dynamic, which was Chris is so good. Like yes. I mean, this is like a, a character actor part. Like he's not the focus, but he's so good in it. Mm -hmm. And like the physicality of his limp and just like you you really get this. I mean, you slowly kind of see this guy with tattoos and you see little bits and pieces of him uncovered and uncovered, yeah. and then the bad luck streak and stuff. You just 
And then you realize watching it again that like he's carrying the weight of all that bad luck and he has to he's reminded every day of the fact that I can't stunt drive anymore and he sees himself in Gosling's character too. It's like he's living vicariously through him and like it, it's just a really rich performance and rich character that is all in the frame. Like Yeah. Yeah. And then the again the body language between him and Ryan Gosling. Yeah. Because he says Gosling says the most lines that he does to in the him. whole show to him and, and he, you see he, most of the emotions yeah. he's stony he smiles yeah. a couple of times there's that great bit at the set of the movie when um, you know Ryan Cranston finishes the so we're going to do a rollover oh and I got another 500 out of them and then Ryan gestures with his coffee cup and right as he reaches the peak of his gesture and his lips quirk Ryan Cranston says which we're splitting of course <laughs> and he and then as as Cranston walks off Ryan like nods like Yep, because <laughs> he, he was, knew that. He was waiting for he it knew to it, go. You know, yeah, it's it's his his one attachment, really. His his friend. That's the thing. That's why we we hear him yell so much at him. He's frustrated. Yeah. He's like, "You're my link here. You were yeah. supposed to be the guy that like I wanted to protect you." And he's like, also frustrated that he put himself in danger because yeah. now you're in this. Yeah. You have to leave, or you're gonna die too. To go with one more performance, yeah. uh, it was great rewatching it and seeing Oscar Isaac in this, right? Yeah, because. Uh, yeah. You know, I I don't know how many roles he was in before this one, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's definitely taken off since then. Yeah. So it was great to look back and say, "Wow, that was him." And I don't know that I would put that together. Uh, he, he has a solid role in here too he's for great. the time that he is on screen. And the other thing is, like, you you kind of think he's going to be a dick. Like that's yeah. going to be the main crux of the the conflict right. is him and Gosling. But you get it. Like he does have that dick measuring scene. Is like, hey, you've been coming by. That's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Have a good night. Like you get that little yeah. bit. But then, like the next thing that happens, he gets beat Ryan up. Ryan offers him help. Yeah, and helps his son. And he's like, he's just he's chill because he know he gets it. He knows the score. It's like, no, I'll cut it. You're you are a good guy. You're helping me out. I really like that moment where he sees him laying there. He steps over him to go to Benicio. Like he's not even there. Like that that's where his mind's at. That's who he wants to protect. It's like, I don't know shit uh-huh. about you yet. And I don't know what's going Isaac on. Sees, a, that he genuinely cares for Benicio, right. which mm-hmm. is nice. But B, also that, yeah, he's going to, yeah, he's here to help. Right. And that's the thing. You kind of get the sense when he comes back and you see uh, uh, the wife's, oh, what's her, the actress's name again? Yeah, you Carrie see? Mulligan? Carrie Ma- Mulligan. Irene is the character. Irene, Okay. Well, you see her face, you kind of get the sense, like, is this guy a good guy? Is he an asshole? Like, what, how is that dynamic? He talks about being, having a second chance and doing bad stuff. We don't know why he went to prison. There's all these things, like, and we're wondering, like, is there a contemptuous relationship between the two of them? So for for it not to be him that that's the, like, he he's also had bad luck and he's fallen in with bad people. Like, that's such, it, it, was, it was a refreshing angle for that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, partly because of the way the character was written, but Oscar Isaac really delivered it. Yeah, no. That that shift felt right. Yeah. It didn't feel like he was sort of backed into a corner, you know, right. where they're all having dinner, the four of them. Yeah. He toasts to his family and his new friend. It just it felt right. Like He was like, yeah, we can, with this guy, we can be safe. And you we kind of climb you, you understand kind of that guard up and like yeah. I was gone I was I've prison. been in prison like I've had to like my neighbors coming fight over to help my wife yeah. mm, you know yeah. yeah he's upset but I don't in that scene with the dinner well I don't know whether this was intentional or not I'm inclined to think it was just the way the director does deals with detail but there are three tall cylindrical flowery glasses. Mm-hmm. 
and a fourth short sort of square glass they're all drinking out of. Which, A, is sort of perfect for, like, the family living in this apartment had four glasses and now they have three. Like, I just I love the little note that says <laughs> about, ah, where's the fourth? But the three people with the four glasses are Irene Benicio and the driver. Mm. The husband has oh. the fourth glass. Is that wow. just because of how they set the table when they shot that? Is it because the husband would say, you know, the wife says, oh, we have three glasses, and he's like, no worry, I'll grab another one. You know, you're our guest. Or is it because the three of them are... Wow. You know, the three, three of them, I right, brought into the fold. Yeah, good eye. I, I, I'm inclined to think it was intentional. Whether it was meant to just be like, oh, you know, the host would have insisted and that he get a different glass, mm-hmm. or whether it was meant to be more symbolic, that I'm not right. sure. Reffin's pretty, pretty detailed as a yeah. director. Or maybe just whoever was setting the table for that particular shot just stuck the glasses at those three spots, <laughs> right? I mean, at least but, there wasn't a Starbucks cup there. <laughs> but I, I, like you said, Joel, Reffin is... All about I mean, details. when we watch that breakdown of like the symmetry of each scene and dividing it into fourths and yeah, the, the dynamics of power in each scene and shadow and what they do with shadow and light in this is is so good. Fantastic! It's so good. And his later work, Only God Forgives and um, The Neon Demon, is even more high contrast. Yeah, he did Bronson too. Right. Yep. Previous to this, apparently because he's partially colorblind. In order oh, to be able that. to see his own films, there has to be a certain amount of contrast. That's cool. I, I've heard. Um, I think the colorblind huh. bit is true. I don't know whether that's the reason he films that way, or if he just loves the way it looks, like I do. But, uh, but there you go. In fact, this is one of his more, in terms of light, it's one of his more tame films. Yeah. No, this is pretty muted. You get a lot of not muted. That's that's the wrong word, but it, it's it's tame compared yeah. to the lights. You know, some through the window like, or. The lights of the city, right? Yeah. Neon Demon and Bronson. A lot of natural light. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I thought that I thought of when you guys were talking about the elevator scene and sort of yeah. on that that topic of the quadrants mm-hmm. was the quadrant of the elevator that he smashes the guy whose face is the same one that he kissed her in. Yeah. Oh. Oh yeah. And that's the only scene that's in which amazing. we see him do something, quote unquote, evil mm-hmm. or violent or criminal without his gloves on. Oh. In the entire film, when he's driving, he has them on always, yeah. of course. And then in the motel, when he's about to interrogate, uh, mm-hmm. what's her face? Yeah. He, like, is sitting there. He's asking, how much money were we supposed to have? She's like, not, not this much, you know. Mm. And he gets the gloves out, and he starts putting them on. Did you know there was going to be another car? And then as soon as they're on, bam, you know. Um at the end he's got his gloves on for the stabbing I, I thought every... they were in his pocket though I thought you oh, see the no, shadows yeah, of the glove yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, the no you're right you're right but that's the one because Irene is there mm-hmm. he wasn't supposed to like go and fight and go do something he was right. going to talk to her yeah. they threatened her and that's also when his emotions take the better of him he goes from just oh I'm going to stomp this guy out to mm-hmm. I'm going to stop him from existing <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of like it's interesting because you get the the most of for lack of a I don't, I don't know if I'd call it love, but the but that extreme of his emotion where he actually yeah. finally kisses her, it's but it's also the most polite and delicate, violent. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah. he stabs the guy, but it's sure. like out of necessity. Like right. as you said, this right. one is like out of this rage. Even with the other guy in the strip club, like he doesn't smash the bullet into his right. head. He shows restraint there. Yeah. Like right. so, in every other point. He has restraint, whether it's towards his good emotions or his bad emotions, except for that spot in those two extremes. Mm-hmm. 
there's a couple of real step ups there when he's smashing the guy's face. We we cut to a shot looking up at Ryan Gosling, mm-hmm. and he's like sort of step step, and then he intensifies that bang mm-hmm. bang bang, and then he reaches out and grabs the railings, yeah, and yeah. then really goes in for it. And then that's where the camera position switches to over yeah. his shoulder, and we, we start see to hear the a, impact a that's happening, and then yeah, the squish. The thing <laughs> that they wouldn't show us in uh, Sin City. When Bruce Willis is beating the heck out of the yellow guy. I have to say, I feel like uh, uh, D'Onofrio in Daredevil took took a, a, a page out of that book with mm. head smashing. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. he, he, he takes takes a door to somebody yeah. pretty intensely. <laughs> yeah. There's also a scene like that in the movie Irreversible, which I've talked about before, saying no one should ever see it. But <laughs> there, but but this one, like, there's 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 no there's no hiding it. And I don't know how they did this, where it cuts so smoothly from like an actual person to just like because the guy hits him with a fire um, fire extinguisher mm-hmm. and just goes to town on his face and like you're like it's th- there's this weird moment where the camera shakes and it's like okay that must have been where they switched over but like you kind of can't tell that it's not a real person right. who's getting his face caved in yeah. and there's one part where the fucking jaw is like still moving like he's oh. still kind of trying to talk and like the jaw is sticking up higher than the top yeah, of his face shit. oh yeah you reminded me Tim about <laughs> the elevator again when they uh, three of them are in the elevator they stand there then the camera cuts over to this corner where it starts for the kiss and then sweeps inwards Mm -hmm. there's an overhead light somewhere in the elevator that we never see there's a light on the wall the assassin is in shadow Mm -hmm. and Gosling's face is in shadow and when he turns to face her and pushes her into the corner she just lights up Mm -hmm. and he steps in and the light passes on to him as he kisses her and then he steps away back Mm -hmm. into shadow Mm -hmm. and then we fight (laughs) yeah for as much as you could call it a fight right Um, nothing with the lighting just real quick when there's the interaction with him and Oscar Isaac where he's going to take out the trash that door is open and the light is shining and you see this massive shadow that Oscar Isaac's character is is casting on this relationship it's like so perfect Oh. oh Yeah, I the the tension in the scene where he's interrogating Blanche. You get one hit in that scene. Yeah, one backhand, and it's very noir. This is like that, yeah. it's so classic noir for the 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 heavy to to hit the woman hit the and woman. get what yeah. he wants from her. Yeah, like, uh, and, and it but, sounds the sound of that slap is beautifully done. Partly because the sound in the whole film is beautiful, mm-hmm. but I think they really like they accounted for his gloves being made of leather. It sounds different, you know, mm-hmm. than your typical film skin and you skin kind of, like, it, it, it indicates a change in tone and a change in that character, and mm-hmm. you you see the lengths to which he he's willing to go. Mm-hmm. You kind of that a lot of that is communicated in that, but the tent like he he's just pointing his fingers at her head. All he does, and it feels like a gun. <laughs> like the tension she can tell in the power of him standing over her that like. He's not fucking around, and he's seen some shit, and he's willing to do some shit. And it's really well played by both actors in that scene. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, she's figured out what the the mobsters haven't yet, that this random dude who's helping out standards for a favor dude to fuck isn't with. some random dude. Yeah. The reason he stepped in so willingly is because he knows what he's doing. Yeah. The other change of character moment I really liked, uh, similar to that, is when... He goes into the strip club to interrogate the guy and uh, yeah. says, "Call you know, have him call Nino." He's on the phone with Nino, 
and it it's just there's a few close-ups of his gloved hand on the hammer and he's just his fist is shaking i love that so Mm -hmm. much you get a lot of that like he he does a lot of tensing his fists and like that it feels he's a coiled spring but that's the thing like it's he's a coiled spring not in the way that tom hardy is in bronson because you get yeah. the sense that he could snap at any moment. With Gaz, his face is totally the only part of him that's antsy. Just the fist. It's his yeah. fist. Even mm-hmm. in the opening scene, when they're under the bridge waiting for the helicopter to pass, he, goes, mm. he opens his hands and closes them yeah. back on the steering wheel again. Mm. That was such a great chase sequence. And it, yeah. it, calling it a chase sequence is almost it, it, not the right terminology yeah. because it's so cat methodical mouse. and it's cat, that's exactly what it is. I was really I was taken with the the um, uh, spotlight from the helicopter. Yeah, S- took me right to Blade Runner. That's what I was yeah. getting was the like, blimp. I'm telling the, you, like, this is the reason he's yeah. in Blade Runner. Um, <laughs> but uh, but that it, in keeping in com- combination with the advertising, that opening scene also did no favors because we open and it's our cool guy explaining right. he only gives five minutes right. and then the heist guys come out and get in the car and there's a chase and he evades the right. police and he's just so cool. Right. And it, so that for that to be your first impression, coming out of that kind of advertising, that opening scene is an introduction to the character, not to the film. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not saying this is the kind of movie you're here for. Right. This it, is the kind this of movie you are watching. Yeah. In hindsight, I think the movie based on the Drive trailer I was expecting more of is maybe like Baby Driver. Right. Yes. Where you have. Thank you. Uh, I, yeah. Edgar yeah. Wright saw Drive. He was let down, just like that's what people were. <laughs> right. And being Edgar Wright, he went, well, I'm going to go make my own, make the movie I thought this was going to be. And he made Baby Driver. Right. Which is I mean, Edgar's Yeah, I love Baby Driver, like too. 20 minutes, or 20 years, yeah. but like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Solid, yeah. yeah solid soundtrack and a, you know, a, a driver character who does it because he's great at it doesn't necessarily want to be attached to it he tries to yeah. keep his distance it's fun and then from there just the... very different movies oh yeah the woman who works at the diner we fall <laughs> there you go well maybe not so different yeah, it was funny as i was watching this all the hits i was seeing i was like there's even kevin spacey gives taron egerton taron egerton is in baby driver no no it's, um, sorry um well ken spacey gives our our baby driver he was baby those gloves and then he wears them for the one last job that he's supposed mm-hmm. to do, and then throws them over his shoulder in the junkyard. Yeah. <laughs> right? Is Drive a sequel to Baby Driver? Yes. <laughs> Ansel Elgort. Ansel Elgort, thank you. Forgot Bernthal is in that movie. Too. Yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah, it's also I, a Punisher <laughs> prequel. Right. Yeah. Baby Driver was was I'm Edgar Wright, you know. Oh, this movie's going to be great. Going to see Drive and going. Well, that wasn't what they told me I was going to watch, and then making it himself, but. I also really love Baby Driver, mm-hmm. and I love the two of these together as two sides of the Driver movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like with James Bond, you know, I I sort of hold up, I guess I hold up Casino Royale and like Moonraker, almost. <laughs> you know, as or, great films. Or no, to keep I will it hear outside. No bad words I mean, they're great, either. but to step it outside the franchise, I'd hold up like Moonraker and then the the Bourne trilogy mm-hmm. as like two sides, two different spy versions movie. of the spy movie. Right. Driving Baby Driver is two versions yeah. of the driving movie. <laughs> I love it. Right. I love that they both exist and I can watch them back to back. You know? <laughs> They're both great, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. So do you think, do you, do you think we should step into the, the genre? We uh, probably swamp? should. I mean, okay. you've been chomping at the bit, and now I've, yeah. I've done a day's worth of research, and I'm also oh, chomping I mean, we'll, at the bit. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to stop you completely. I just, you know. Maybe give some content before we do it. Right. 
So this is described as a neo noir, which is to say nothing because they have <laughs> called everything a neo noir. I was fucking looking at a list and it's like every everything that Star I consider Wars just like like <laughs> <laughs> So let's let's start with noir. You know, if you picture noir, you're picturing something probably black and white, probably Humphrey Bogart, um, you know, probably of a certain era and type. But at some point, everybody sort of just decided that every noir made after a certain year is a neo noir. Mm-hmm. But I would be of the argument that the differences are stylistic, not time based. I don't even think it has to do, like, they always, the descriptions that I've read have updated themes right. is how they keep talking about it and I mean right. even in the things I was reading they were saying the, the muddy waters of neo-noir have become so muddy that it's almost saying nothing to call something yeah. neo-noir yeah, but they talk about updated tropes or updated themes uh, yeah, and it's just the same to... theme updated yeah. in the sense of like it's happening in a different time period because in color Chinatown is my go-to yeah, because people, people call, call Chinatown a neo noir because it was made in the seventies and not during the noir era. I don't, but it's agree. a million percent regular noir. Yeah, Polanski nailed it. Yeah, and neo noirs are Blade Runners. This is going to be our TED talk for Sorry. about forty five <laughs> minutes, boys. Sorry. But the, the two Blade Runners and Drive yeah. and you know, um, Blade Runner is just straight noir. Like the yeah. the only difference is the setting and the time. Exactly, period. and that's why I feel like sort of aesthetic and style are what. For me, would make a neo noir. Okay. You know, you might just call it cyber noir, even just because of all okay. the computers. Yeah, that's fine. Right. That's the like noir of a certain era. What like, am I going to stick in front of noir? Depends on the the colors they use to paint with. Right. But the stories are going to be fundamentally mm-hmm. similar, right? Looper is a neo noir, I would say, okay. because of the time travel being a, a part of it. Is that what makes it neo? That it's like an added concept. The or? time travel and. Admittedly, because of the time travel, but the particular way they twisted the the way the plot progresses is much more sort of experimental modern cinema. Yeah. I, I feel like the closest for me, if I was going to define neo noir, I might say Memento. Okay. Okay, because that is mm-hmm. a, a mystery story about a character who is uh, an unstable protagonist who's gotten himself into some dark shit, but the way that story is told is so experimental and so innovative that it cannot be classic noir in my opinion mm-hmm. I don't I you haven't seen Memento yet no, Scott it's literally Z, in my cabinet yeah. okay. need to, that need, that needs to be on the podcast but like the, I, I just have seen this huge list of like all these movies considered to be neo noir and when I'm looking at them, the, the 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 similarities to noir are so like parallel it's, it's so close it's, it's I, so close I don't know what it comes down basically to you have a whole chunk of films, and all of them are either noir or neo noir, mm-hmm. and every person is just going to have to put them on one side of that line or the other. Right. Zootopia. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh yes, is perfect. I was I was looking at the tropes, and I thought that perfect. who framed Roger Rabbit might be the first, like the best crystallization of kind of the 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 madness of of the the. Uh, the bad luck that befalls the main protagonist in noir, because yeah. it, it's noir deviates from tragedy in that tragic heroes have a tragic flaw that lead to all the shit that goes wrong with them. In noir, they just—it's not just Mr. Magoo, but they're—they're they're a doorway away from disaster. Mm-hmm. That's—that's that's what happens to them. And you in 
who framed Roger Rabbit, because there's this tune world and the wackiness and the zaniness that yeah. comes from that, almost explains away it how a source of chaos. Yeah, and it explains away all of the the coincidences and all the little things that add up to mm-hmm. things getting fucked up. Yeah. and like I it, would call uh, L.A. Confidential a noir. Yeah, and not a neo noir. Yeah, but it's in color and it's from the '90s, early aughts. So everybody goes neo noir. But no, I don't know. That was the so, thing. I was watching all these video essays and reading all these things, and it's like all the things they were listing as neo noir. I was like, this is just, just the genre. Noir, but somebody made it now, right? I, I don't know why this is the one thing. Like, I don't have a strong genre theory about any other kind of film. Yeah. The way that I'm starting to about this, because like. It's so iconic, and like the way those tropes and themes bleed into the cinema that like evolved from them. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's They're just all it's over the, place. the same. There's fingerprints on yeah. everything, and and that's why, I, like I said, I ought people the sort of standard dictionary definition is mm-hmm. basically what year was it made in, yeah. and then if it was made is, late enough, if it's in color, therefore it's in it. right, and right. I, that has always bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad we came on the same side. Yeah, it's good. My other, although, outside of that, my most controversial noir-related opinion probably is that the Maltese Falcon is not quite noir. You call it proto, right? Yeah, it's almost there. And I, to be fair, I took that from a, a newspaper article I read. Right. I haven't seen um, that one, so and that's the thing. Like I'm coming at, like I've seen a lot of the movies that they call neo noir. Yeah. And like seven, I guess is they call it. Yeah, I can see that. I could see you fitting that in there. I, like, like we said, it's, yeah, just, it's, it's kind of so much about where do you want to place the movie. That's true. And how much of it is style and aesthetic and theme, and how much mm-hmm. of it is plot, and how much of it is, you know, etc. But I, the issue about the Maltese Falcon is that it basically is noir. It's black and white. It's filmed that way. Everyone dresses that way. It's mm-hmm. in the era, etc. It's got a mystery. It's got a MacGuffin. Everybody wants after it. The plot is a little twisty. But that, it just, it still has the vestiges of the non-noir cinema of the era and that the whole thing almost is lighthearted is way too strong a term but just that at the end it doesn't quite end with oh everyone's dead or oh you're leaving town <laughs> there's it's no all, happy it's, endings it's, in it's basically a happy ending I see um, no that's okay and like, the whole film sort of leads into that in that classic Hollywood style mm-hmm. and those those little bits and pieces are sprinkled in densely enough that mm-hmm. I think it just pulls it out just a little gotcha. bit it's pretty it's early, too. Yeah, exactly. It, mm-hmm. I mean, it legitimately is. So. But in terms of image, though, visual, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's right on there. Yeah, it's got that iconic look to it, for sure. Mm-hmm. Bogey with his one hand on the falcon, like, looking grimly at everybody mm-hmm. else. And, of course, the, the coat and hat. <laughs> the Casablanca look. <laughs> Hi, guys. Yeah. Hey, yeah, how I'm you sorry. doing? <laughs> Enjoying the TED Talk. Yeah, so I don't know if we're saying much <laughs> of substance, but we are talking a lot. Um, I was thinking, I was going to look at the notes I had Tim, when down. you were coming in today, did you mention something to me as a potential noir or neo-noir? Um, at the doorway here? I think I oh. did. Oh, was uh, that yeah. I had seen... And similar to what you guys were talking about, where they just call a lot of things. Yeah. I think maybe this one, but Reservoir Dogs? Yes. Yeah. Right. He um, mentioned, yeah, yeah. is Reservoir Dogs in Unor? To which I'd go, sure. It didn't make me think of that while I was sitting there watching it. But sitting here thinking about it, I'm not going to say no, right? Like I'm almost inclined to say Pulp Fiction has more of a a noir... It's, I don't, like, it's, it's this dark world where there's no escape. And there's this kind of 
kismet kind of uh, favor that follows Jules's character. But, mm-hmm. like, I guess it's, there's almost a happy ending to that because Butch gets away <laughs> and... Samuel L. Jackson retires, as far as we know. <laughs> like, I get... That's a good point. Yeah, but again, regardless of whether it's enough to make to say yes or not, mm-hmm. noir and neo-noir pieces are... They run thick mm-hmm. through both of those films. I think there's definitely an aesthetic to Reservoir Dogs that's noir. Like, yeah. the, the suits and the, the kind of mystery about it and the... the, the and you could definitely make of a noir of surviving henchmen are holed up in a warehouse after a heist gone wrong and had each other's throats. Yeah. Like, you could totally make that into a classic noir. The tension in that is very noir, too. Like, yeah. that, the not knowing where everybody's allegiances lie and the kind of impending doom of, like, being discovered. I, I, I think it... That might be more Neo. I, just because yeah. I, I tend and then, to think I mean, of, Is it Neo or non-Neo, right? right. I, mm. Like we said about it, is they're, Keanu they're almost in the it, same. It's not Neo, <laughs> right? They're almost the same. Noir, new Noir, are almost the same thing, but everyone has their own deli- right. delimiters for where the line falls. I think watching for me watching Drive was interesting because coming in, I didn't think I had really seen any Noir, Neo Noir, and mm-hmm. so I was trying to think about it because I thought it was a very closed genre, and I was thinking of like you're, you're broadening your <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right? Because I was thinking of like uh, you know a detective with the hat in the shadows right. and like the damsel knocks on the door and needs help and I, I just thought it was very closed yeah. off but and when you see that kind of film it's really easy to just be like yes done that's yeah. <laughs> yeah but then when but you then start when thinking you about see elements in other movies yeah. right yeah it becomes harder mm-hmm. um, I do have a classic noir on the block eventually for this podcast Night of the Hunter, of the Hunter that I've mentioned many many times and I'm wondering if I shouldn't just do that next now. that would be so great that'd be a great this. book into this discussion but mm-hmm. I have played L.A. Noir. <laughs> that counts. I yeah. might have to fire up the 360 and play it again. For sure. That was great because it was like, you know, they focused so much on the story and the story was engaging. Yeah. But then there were clearly a bunch of Noir fans who were just like, we're just going to drench this in all the visuals we can. Like, right. The music and everything. Here you go. And I loved it. It was, it was fans great. Fans yeah. through. <laughs> I still want that one suit he wears when you're on the vice desk. Yeah. Like half belt in the back. Yeah. (laughs) It's out there somewhere. Yeah. That and the watch from Drive, you're going to get them both. (laughs) Someday. So I'm admittedly relieved, Joel, that you came down on my my side. Yeah, I I tried to be mysterious about it because I didn't want to come in firing. Right. But but I just, once you start watching the films, it just kind of makes sense. Because you can't get away from it. Like right. like you said, you find people who describe a noir film to you, and then d- later the same person or same YouTube channel or whatever describes a new noir to you, and it's the same description. Right. And you're sitting there going, what? what? Why are these different? Yeah. That's the thing. One of the, the dominant quotes from like genre critics is that to call something neo-noir has become so muddied yeah. and so yeah. generic if you could call anything that. like. Yeah. I just all agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <laughs> so yes, thank you for our time, Doc. <laughs> thank you. That's the thing. Like they listed Usual Suspects as new neo noir. I, I I don't know. Like for something to be a whole another genre, like. I don't know, like, I'm trying to compare it to, like, horror in my head. Right. Right, because there's different subsections of horror. Like, you could call something a slasher, mm-hmm. and that means something different than it would be. I don't know. Because a, Alien a paranormal is paranormal or a, like a Alien possession. is not a slasher, even though both it's a spacer. <laughs> both tend to be you know a single 
sort of entity that's beyond human that's mm-hmm. basically unstoppable and hunts people one by one. But it's I'd not... call it a slasher. Mm-hmm. I think it's fun like a slasher is. Yeah, that's all right. I but can't. see, we're just see, getting into the same. Yeah, I guess yeah, we're I'm, getting into the same problem again. Yeah, <laughs> but like no, I think the, I think if you present it to somebody just objectively, they wouldn't say slasher. Hmm. It's a monster movie. Yeah, right. That's that's I guess like about sci-fi. We've talked about sci-fi being a thing you can apply to another yeah. to any other genre. So why is it a genre on its own? Right. Sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, sci-fi horror. Yeah, sci-fi is more of a setting. Right, and I in that sense, I would argue that noir is almost more of a more of a styles, stylistic package. Aesthetic. Yeah. Okay. But there you go. Um, and you did mention briefly, Joel, earlier, the High Plains Rifter bit. Yeah. This has so a lot Drive of Western is a figures in its pie. But is it, is it the neo-Western? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right? Because it is. It's, it's this, the mysterious character who does evil, who shows up mm-hmm. to the, the town mm-hmm. or the apartment of people who, <laughs> of good people who need help and don't necessarily know what he is. And right. so he agrees to help them and then everything goes to hell seven samurai high plains drifter mm-hmm. right? it's all and of course the samurai and western genres fed into each other constantly for decades mm-hmm. so you know so you mean yeah you know how much of it is that yeah there's a there's a lot of dna <laughs> in this one got dna all over it that guy's head all over the elevator your or, dna too <laughs> or the girl's head all over the bathroom yeah that was that yeah. was among head explosions, yeah. that one was pretty grisly. To talk about for a moment about Tarantino again. Oh yeah. Tarantino's films are super violent. Oh yeah. But the violence is fun. It's, I mean, <laughs> Stylish. Sure. It's just it's not as hard to look at as the violence in Drive. Does that make sense? It's presented in a different way. I right. Definitely think. It's about presentation. Except for fingers like and that. bullet holes. I like that. That's perfect. <laughs> because you know he steps on the guy and crushes his head. We've seen people get bits get crushed in Tarantino films, and it's never quite so. Like, it doesn't quite make your stomach jump the way this did my first time watching it. I don't like the 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 head explosion in Pulp Fiction is pretty pretty yeah. jumpy. Yeah. But mostly because it scares Vince Vega, too. Yeah. Like, he, it's like Travolta's so, like, oh you know? God, what happened? Like, but Whereas, that's the thing. The tone of that sequence is it's it's an accident. Yeah. It was not intentional. There wasn't any malice in it. It just happened. It just, and with Revan's head explosion, yeah, it's, it's deliberate. They slow it down for you. Yeah. Right. So you can really see the. the Mm -hmm. I'd like to have this conversation again in a couple months uh, if you see Tarantino's latest film (laughs) no spoilers but oh (laughs) imagine there's some 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 gore yeah it's it's I I don't want to give too much away but it's just uh, what I know already about I mean the time period to begin with right and then we got some Manson um, stuff yeah because Tate's involved so I'm sure it's going to be pretty nasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, to take it back a few minutes ago and then dive into Drive, uh, you mentioned <laughs> about horror. And uh, I don't know, just again, a fa- another favorite scene was when he has his uh, stunt double mask, mask and he's going after yes. Nino on the oh beach. Oh my God. And the soundtrack there was very like slashery and yeah. horror-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the slow approach and the lighting. Uh, so there's some horror yeah. Yeah. The in there too. Los Angeles in a lighthouse light passing over Ryan. Yeah. As he fights hand to hand in the water. <laughs> cough, cough, Blade Runner, cough, cough. Like, um, <laughs> so good. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah. Because he, he has this fake, he drives for movies, you know, established. And so he has this fake mold Prosthetic. of the, the star, the character yeah. he's playing. And he goes and gets that. Was that meant to be a Vin Diesel mask? 
Big head. And he puts it on and he stalks Nino in it. And then him walking up to the, the pizza <laughs> parlor yeah. and that perfect just little window square. of it coming and he just stands there and then he goes back into his car. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, so then, so this good. was a horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be the I love that scene guy, but I love that no, scene. that's so. a great scene. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting. Like that's, that's kind of the most... Bl- well, it's not bloodless because you see... Uh, uh, Ron Perlman, you know. Perlman's like bleeding out, yeah, but he the... drowns him. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, it's 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 so it seems more intimate almost yeah. than any other of the deaths. Mm-hmm. It's, I love that. It's good. Yeah, the shot on the beach with the light and mm-hmm. the lighthouse is like ruining your night vision just as it starts to adjust. You right. can't quite see, and and then it finally some shape resolves and it's human shaped, and you look up and that resolves into not a face. Yeah. Oh, yeah, again. It's yeah. grace, and they tease that kind of reveal when they're stopped, and there's the smoke, and you yeah. can see you can see the outline of the the uh, 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 headlights before they even turn on. And you're like, oh shit, and then <laughs> knocks them off the edge. Oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah. that's good. This is a good noir western horror action movie. Yes, <laughs> and that's the other thing. I was thinking uh, with horror, like with the the gloves in us. Yeah, I wonder if Jordan oh, Peele had seen this and was like, it. "That is an iconic, scary fucking implement like right. that." There's some violence in that. Like that, uh, it I would can be see interesting that. Yeah. to see if Doctor Strangelove and his uh-huh. yeah, the claw, yeah, yeah, and even just the guy from Metropolis and his jesters yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Category of movies Zeke hasn't seen. <laughs> Episodes. <laughs> that should have been a prerequisite. In order to be on the podcast, you must watch all of these films. Well, that was a big, uh, I mentioned that last time about like, oh, we're going to be watching Mother, so you might want to watch these other two. Maybe I should have said, you need to watch these <laughs> And all the other podcasts. And in general, if you want to watch stuff we have watched, we have access to almost oh, all of yeah. them, so mm-hmm. let us know. Well, three. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I got to do some homework for not, sure. Not that you don't have enough to watch. <laughs> I feel like we're all oh, having slowly growing Something lists. I wouldn't call a new noir noir at all almost at all John Wick no that's something else yeah but especially two really plays with the light right the nightclub in one mm. but but no I still wouldn't call it that because that's it's too firmly entrenched in what it is it's, which it's is the action re- movie it's a revenge action movie but mm-hmm. it, it is Taxi Driver noir I feel yeah. like it has some DNA there I'd call it a noir I would almost be more willing to call that one an Neo Noir, mm-hmm. based on the way it plays around with the roles of each character. The, the way I think about John Wick is like Death Wish, right? Like yeah. that. It's a very quintessential '80s action revenge story. And speaking and that, of that's... films that are bloody, I, for the longest time, people in general, like both my parents but others, whenever Taxi Driver mm-hmm. was brought up in almost any capacity. People would tell me, "Oh, that's a really violent movie." Yeah. You were like saying it was the last benchmark. Episode, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And then I watched it, and there's like one instance of violence in the entire movie, and it's pretty bloody, but not really by today's standards. So I sort of like left going, "Where was the rest of it?" <laughs> yeah. But uh, but in that sense, it shares some DNA with Drive, yeah. which only has a couple. A few bits here and there. It's pretty like when he. What does he stab that guy with? Who had the, the shotgun? Man? Oh, 
The curtain the rod. Curtain rod, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. Oh, yeah. That was great. That's also a clue as to just how physically strong he is. Yeah. Because curtain rod is kind of narrow, but it's it's blunt. It's not pointy. Yeah. yeah. It goes right through. And that dude bleeds a lot. Yeah. Like, that was in the heart. Man. Mm-hmm. Another beautiful visual touch is that after Gosling gets the sawed-off shotgun from him, we don't see him actually shoot the other guy. He just points the shotgun off frame and fires. And we're just like, oh yeah, he's dead. But the the shotgun only makes it halfway to the edge of the screen, and the the sparks and muzzle flash make it the rest of the way. Mm. So that the shotgun's presence reaches off screen for us. It's really interesting in that sequence, too, where after he shot that guy and he's got the blood splattered on his face he moves behind the door frame of the bathroom and his face goes into shadow again and then he's looking out like the the light is coming in from the window of the front of the uh, uh, hotel room and then he's in shadow and then he's looking out the window and it comes back again and then he moves away and then we see the blood splatter where her Blanche's head used yeah. to be like just this Blanche. this transition of like wanting to be good been dragged into this pit again and, and the next shot this. is uh, Shannon's phone ringing mm-hmm. and Gosling getting the bits of metal taken out of him in right. the dark garage mm-hmm. yeah yeah <laughs> really, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're on board here yeah. Yeah. So, I'm, I'm glad it turns it around for you too Zeke yeah yeah. Part of the purpose of the podcast. I don't like remember I said, you saying that you had, didn't like it. I, I'm, I, I, th- I thought we had talked about it. We might have. Uh, we like, mentioned that you've uh, seen many, it. Many, <laughs> we talked a lot many years ago. Um, but yeah, it just was one that, and I think it was the pace, and there's just so much silence and so much mm-hmm. dead space. And to be honest, I was probably watching it in my dorm room when I was also like sure. on my phone or like half paying attention. I was like, this is slow. I don't like it. So I'm glad I had a chance to watch it again and just focus on it because I really did like it and I do appreciate those the, the pace and the slow shots. Yeah, that's so like like I said at the top, we get more out of it together. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so thank Tim, you. how you feeling post Bob's Burger spoiler? Um, well, I mean, it, it it definitely it didn't ruin the movie for me. Um, it did like it lower the stakes yeah. a little bit, like uh, especially in the last scene with uh, what's his face with Bernie. Bernie. Yeah, like. Okay, no, yeah, you know he's not dead, yeah. right? Yeah, the the long shot that Joel mentioned, where they stay on his unmoving face for a really long time because you don't know if he's dead or alive. I mean, yeah, yeah you knew. <laughs> well, also, I feel like he would have been more slack jawed. Like, if you're dead, I don't think your mouth, you know, because I mean, believe me, when I fall asleep in a car, <laughs> <laughs> my mouth is wide open. So I think if he would, that was the first. My, actually, my first thought. I remember thinking like, okay, no, he's not dead, not because I know the ending of this, but because his mouth is closed. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But. But yeah, and, and the other thing I was thinking in that scene too, again, because the weight of, of wondering wasn't there, was just like thinking about like the intensity of his professionalism, where it's just like, just hold your eyes open as long as you can. And he was like, are you sure? Because it's going to be a long time. <laughs> yeah. like just being like, boom. Like, you know, him taking it as a dare to yeah. be like, I want people to be like, this is, a, like, is the actor actually dead? Like, not the character. Like, is Ryan Gosling actually dead? Like, it was that long of a period of time that his eyes were open. And also looked like they maybe switched to slow-mo, too, to stretch that time yeah. out. Because when he does really finally know. close his eyes, there is that sense of, like, that, like... Except for him, there's no other motion of right. seeing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we wouldn't know. For sure. That's the thing, like, the, the camera doesn't even move. Once it's come up 
to see him from his wound. It stays mm -hmm. there. The motion is stopped there. And it goes over not just his wound, but everything that he, everything that has stained him up to this point. Mm. The, the yeah, that jacket boots. doesn't dry. Yeah, the bloody boots, the jacket with the sort of blackened blood in it. Um, of course, you know, the blood from the stab wound. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all the way up to his face, yeah. So I, did you like it, I guess, is the question? <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. No, yeah. it was it was definitely good, and and um, yeah, because I mean yeah. the, the the him driving off, it's like I feel like you almost like it, it's almost I don't want to say obvious, like yeah. I'm one of those people I knew from five minutes in how the movie was going to end, like no, like you but knew like from two days ago how the movie was going to end, profit, but yeah, <laughs> but like you know the uh, the 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 journey, you know, it was about the journey, mm -hmm. like you know, it, it, like going on that journey and seeing all those those like those events and how they unfold and and also about um you know being more than just him you know like i feel like yeah yes. knowing the main character survives isn't the only reason you watch a movie right you know it's like and you know i feel like a lot of people lose that where the, yeah, into the of, sunset ties into the western thing again yeah they're a mysterious person who only just moves into the apartment at the beginning of the movie mm. who just shows up out of nowhere goes back into nowhere at the end mm-hmm It'd be interesting to find out that this is actually like, or like maybe the the book that this was based on was based on some obscure Western film. Mm -hmm. We said, okay, instead of a horse, it's a car. Go, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and like turned that into this. And then, and then we're like, oh, it's got a Western vibe to it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I know. Yeah, or to take this and turn it back into a Western. <laughs> so um, the the character of the driver has this otherworldliness about him. That something that we don't know, right? That. I mean, obviously, it's that he's seen some shit and he's gonna kill everybody. <laughs> but even amongst the people here, he's he's not a small fish, you know. He's just larger than this man, right? He's not just some guy, you know. Um, that connects very much to Only God Forgives mm -hmm. and to um, the like Norse movie that Refn did earlier, and I would say also to the Neon Demon, although all the Analyses, all the conversations with people have been before Neon Demon came out, so I can't tell you whether there's consensus. It's interesting that there's not quite that for Bronson. Right, but that Valhalla Rising, it's called, 2009. Okay. But that each of those four films has in it this one particular character who is sort of more than human, something else about them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they yeah, drive. Neon Demon and Only God Forgives for sure. I haven't seen The Hollow Rising, so I can't speak to that. And then I guess Bronson is biographical, so yeah. it's gotta be. I mean, it's heightened. There's definitely kind of a zany, mm -hmm. but that's more like the organization of Bronson's mind than anything yeah. else. But, <laughs> but it's that there's this otherworldly spirit of sorts yeah. that is always present in one of these films. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it inhabits the driver. because that would have been a better talking point if you all had seen the other films. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like you could almost say that about a lot of films like this, like Mel Gibson and Payback. Like, there's definitely a sense of, like, you know, something's holding this guy together. Or, or yeah. John Wick, you know? Like, I yeah. mean, granted, we know that he was a good enough assassin to be able to kill everyone in the other mob, but, like, you know, it's like, this is still just one guy against all these guys, like... You know, there is something. He takes a shotgun black to the arm and he's fine. He takes a knife to the yeah. gut and he's fine. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this higher. It's almost like the the yeah this kind of higher purpose 
that's driving them and it's like that's enough to keep them going and driving them huh? yeah <laughs> and even with John Wick and John Wick 2 with the one uh, assassin who he spars off with like Common. three times Common thank you kicks fucking ass in that movie at the end when he finally gets the upper hand on him despite at this point Wick having been shot and I think also stabbed spoilers at some for point. 2 if Tim hasn't yeah, seen it I mean, yet. Uh, I mean people get shot and stabbed but, like, but the yeah. point is Wick's been run through the mill he's oh, yeah. fucked and he finally gets the upper hand on the character he's sparred off with like three times throughout the film. But because he's John Wick, you know, he's not just some normal guy, like you were saying, Tim, mm-hmm. there's something else about him. Yeah. He finds the time to stand there, up, stand up straight, like cockily, mm-hmm. and be all, you know, ret- return, the, return the favor of sorts mm-hmm. that Common gave him earlier in the film. Right. Because he doesn't, oh, I have to go quick because I'm bleeding, oh crap. He like, he's, he's John Wick. Mm-hmm. He has time, you know. Yeah. Then like, yeah, he's he's the driver. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dead. He's right. driven off. Mm-hmm. You know, not how you thought it was gonna go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, Jackie Chan's another good example of that. Yeah. You know. <laughs> See, but Jackie's always he's never one to tell you that he's not hurt. He's, he's constantly like he's the trying to catch his breath. Of he's the noir like, protagonist, <laughs> because for other people, the bad stuff just falls into their laps. Almost good luck keeps him alive throughout everything, you know? There's a through line between Mr. Magoo and Jackie Chan. Like, there's a little bit of uh, uh, divine intervention that keeps both those men alive in their movies. Well, should we move on to Joel's favorite segment of the show? Yeah. It is, it is time for another situational movie recommendation. Situational movie recommendations. Mm-hmm. Scott, did you have one that is drive themed? No, I, unless it's unless one of the ones I told you to add to your list feels appropriate. No, I haven't. I was going to go off the list for this one. one. Go for it. Um, favorite movie that involves a car. <laughs> How is that not related? <laughs> well, it's also. I was saying no. I'm saying it wasn't uh, on the list. Oh, okay. I was trying to tie it yeah, into the my, Well, mine is actually not drive. Okay. Because. Cars themselves don't really feature. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, but I, I, I do need a moment to think of something. <laughs> so the the little kid answer in me is Herbie. I love those movies <laughs> oh, yeah. growing up, and they share DNA with uh, Flubber and the Absentminded Professor. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really fun and silly things. With like, Bug is one of the most likable cars ever, and it like had a lot of personality and did all these wacky things and really cool stunts and stuff like pretty remarkable for kids films from the 60s and 70s like mm-hmm. I think I w- watched there's like five or six of them and I used to rent them from the library and I, I liked watching those movies a lot um, if I was going to go more modern I mean it's hard to beat Fast and Furious 5 just as a, a good time car movie um, yeah those would be mine See, I'm I'm having a hard time because most of the mo- like. Oh no, what were you gonna say? I well, I don't want to do one that Zeke might steal because oh. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, you could say Back to the Future is, is t- <laughs> that look. I, see, I you thought of that. Say, was that your answer? Oh, I'm oh, no, sorry. Well, yeah. See, I, no, I fine. yeah, but I mean, I thought of that, but it's like, but well, it's it's, you know, it's yeah, car movie. There's a an amazing car and right. a badass car, but uh, I'm also stuck too because I feel like more of the when I think like with cars like the first thing kind of popping in my head 
is actually the cartoon series Mask from like I think the 80s or 90s um, which was a cartoon series and then I was like well maybe I mean I also like Transformers but like the, the newer ones I, I don't enjoy as much so I guess if I had to pick one I would say like the Transformers animated movie because there mm. are technically cars in that <laughs> um, sorry I threw a wrench no, that's okay. with this one if you're talking like car movies, Need for Speed and Baby Driver. Yeah. But if you're talking cars themselves, mm-hmm. uh, either Bullet. Oh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or uh, just the James Bond movies. <laughs> it's hard to be the James <laughs> Bond. Honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that those aren't car films, but the cars feature at Gold a certain finger. point. You know. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Get I to see that DB5 for the first Tomorrow time. Tomorrow Never Dies. Gadget, yeah. gadget filled BMW, which was so cool. Is that the one that he drives remotely with, the, with yeah. the phone? Yeah, Final <laughs> Days car, man, right? Invisible ass. But for Bullet, in a more serious note, that just that has one of the greatest car chases in all cinema. Yeah. Between Steve McQueen in his Mustang and uh, the two assassins in the Dodge Charger. Yeah. In when was that? Seventies that was made. So they're they're real been muscle cars. They're yeah. big, you know, long front hooded. Wrong hemis, yeah. and of course, no special effects at all. Right. Real drivers in San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy! And if you watch a lot of newer films, the sense of speed is sort of ruined for you. You'll watch that and think like, "Oh, they're going so slowly." But if you are also an adult who's driven a car instead of a teenager who hasn't, <laughs> me, um, <laughs> then you'll understand just how just how really dangerous yeah. that was, how real that mm-hmm. was, you know. I've heard the French Connection has a similarly stellar car chase, but I haven't seen that yet, yeah. so I couldn't say. And then, you know, maybe Driver and Need for Speed are just covered in all kinds of cool cars. <laughs> <laughs> Little uh, Kid Me also would say Grease, because Grease Lightning is a really cool car. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The car as a character, yeah. as it were. <laughs> that flies at the end for some reason. <laughs> There's a really morbid theory that like Danny died in that uh, uh, race, oh, so that's like that. him yeah. going to heaven. Uh, so back to the future for a movie with an awesome car in it. Yeah. Uh, Baby Driver's up there for me. Yeah. Um, one that I'm guilt that I feel guilty that I haven't seen, thanks to my love for Coors, is Smokey and the Bandit. Mm. Like I feel like mm. I should have seen that. So. Uh, but I haven't. It's so. a tentative one. Yeah, tentative <laughs> that, and then I'll go. I'll go Talladega Nights. Yes. Oh, oh, yeah. oh God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bank. solid car movie. Oh, that's a great one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Driving with the Pumas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tally job was also fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Did you see the original one? No. The the the, the Mark Wahlberg one. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's also really good. Like I, yeah, uh, yeah. I've been meaning to see that the original for a long time. Really good, you know, list of best film car chases. That's mm-hmm. that's on there. Yeah. Yeah, and like the whole how they have to work the minis into the heist and they're driving them indoors. Like yeah. they're like, oh, I've, I didn't see this before. This is intriguing. And yeah. apparently, there's a little uh, a Easter egg in Hobbs and Shaw. I haven't seen it, but I was listening to a podcast. Of, but like, uh, Statham says, there's a mini that they walk by. He's like, yeah, I did did a job in Italy with that one. It's like Hobbs's character is the same wow. character, which nice. would be cool. No, that's great. Yeah. Because I, that's the nice, the talent job in particular is that refreshing sort of car chases and cars and film always trend towards more and more power and money and coolness, you know, the coding segs out of uh, Need for Speed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually something comes out, like the Italian job, that just totally 
issues that um that expectation mm-hmm. you know someone looked at the minis and went those things are so agile mm-hmm. we can do them in real time in their actual speed and make a real chase boom and then that happens and it just dips down again and suddenly car chases get like more mellow mm-hmm. and then eventually they inevitably build up to like fast five again you know mm-hmm. they get more and more exotic and then suddenly does the mini cooper i want I want a Herbie reboot that's like serious, but not like like not the, like serious, but like they're they're trying to make Such it an fun. Andy Dwyer thing to say. <laughs> want them to make remake Kazam and this time get it right. <laughs> Kazam is perfect the way it is. There's nothing wrong with that movie. It's a lie. It's a terrible movie, but I love it. <laughs> Kazam. For- slow rapping ass. <laughs> He's introducing himself. For Cars as a character, you can't do much better than Christine. Yeah, yeah I thought that one too. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's that's the most charactery a car can get. I think. That is true. Not on any bells at all. Uh, Christine, Stephen King. Movie. It's a Stephen King one, and and the car is alive and it kills people. Maximum yeah. Overdrive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I haven't even heard of that somehow. Yeah, I think John Travolta's cool. in that too. Mm-hmm. I mean, Knight Rider is a cool car. That's yeah, TV. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. That's true. Its name is Kit, not Knight Rider. Oh, I thought of another one too, which kind of definitely proves I'm not a movie snob. But Gone in sixty seconds. Yeah, <laughs> that's a oh, fun that's a that one. Was, yeah. That was that a fun is a fun movie. And I mean, ridiculous six. Nicolas Cage, but it's like, hey, yeah. who the fuck cares? It's Gone in sixty seconds. You know, like <laughs> it's a good movie. Reason number sixty to love Nicolas Cage. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Now you've got me thinking about just vehicular movies as, as in general. Right. Too. Just thinking Ghost Rider. <laughs> we go Nick. Oh, Speed's good. Top Gun. Yeah. Apollo 13? Question mark? <laughs> <laughs> oh. There's some sweet cars in Apollo 13. Those, those stingrays? The, the Apollo those program corvettes. astronauts in their Corvettes. Mm-hmm. Is a, it's a bit of a history. <laughs> Sexy car. For sure. Basically, they're something along the lines of like that their pay wasn't that great but that they could accept gifts mm. in certain ways so anyway Chevrolet came along and was like hey they're all test pilots and speed freaks would you guys like Corvettes <laughs> <laughs> and that's now the Corvette and the Apollo astronaut is its own pairing so. yeah. <laughs> speed timers and Corvettes mm-hmm. that one was fun yeah that was a good one I like Herbie some good, good, I want a shirt uh, that says good Herbie. recommendation category Joel <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you all for joining me for Drive. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you all liked great. it. Yeah. I like that one. Um, I'm really glad you all liked it because I like it a lot. I'm glad <laughs> I sat on it for so long because I we yeah. had time to forget the mm-hmm. plot that we just saw in the trailer. If we had watched yeah. the trailer, it would have totally ruined it. Yeah. Like that was, it even, was not even the tra- this box from my Blu-ray. Also, is just a travesty. Like the whole <laughs> the blurb on the front calls it most exciting one of the most exciting film experiences of this or any year, which is like. I mean, yes, I, exciting is a generally a decent term, but on a film box, it kind of implies implies something different, yeah. you know? And the whole backstretch that I read through, again, like, it has to sum up basically the whole movie, and it uses so many adjectives. I, I don't know, I just, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Every inch of marketing failed this film. <laughs> Even the whole video release, you know? It, it kept yeah. going. But, um... You know, there are people like me who saw it anyway and then liked it anyway. Because mm-hmm. I've mentioned before that my expectations ruined my first viewing 
not ruined, but damaged my first viewing mm -hmm. of Inglorious Bastards. Mm -hmm. um, that could have happened for Drive, but it didn't somehow. Just, I don't know, the way the world works, right? This one, I didn't have to watch it a second time. The first time was enough. And there were enough people like me <laughs> to uh, let it, you know, survive pretty well. And it's, for the most part, recognized as a, a good film nowadays. Mm -hmm. That whenever anybody comes along in a conversation, and, and you have my various internet forums or in real life or wherever, and says, it was so disappointing slash boring, the first question is, did you watch it in the theater after you saw the trailer? Mm -hmm. And the answer is always yes. Yeah. It's like, that ruined it for you, I'm sorry. <laughs> so. Well, so, it's, in, yeah. it's interesting too like so I remember you know you, you were saying about like the trailer like kind of needing to I, I forget what the phrase you were right you if used, you want to like, try to set up the film right you've basically explained almost the whole film so your other option to advertise it is like here's a cool shot of Ryan Gosling behind a car he's falling in love but crime is on the way yeah drive but, like but, end, but, of, yeah. end of ad you know like, but yeah, I mean, no, all I mean, or nothing yeah but I mean that's the thing is like I don't I don't know of many other trailers that have to explain that much. Like, yeah. and that was one of the things. Like during Pop Culture Con, one of the panels I went to was like having a pitch, like and how to how to craft a good pitch. And granted, that was more I think geared towards authors, but I feel like the same thing could work here. And and one of the things that I that I took one of the biggest things I took from that is that I was under this impression that a pitch is supposed to tell someone the whole story in like two sentences. But part of what right. they were saying the is pitch. you want to. Um, you know, plant the questions that you want people to ask. You want people to to see this and go, well, what what the fuck happens with that? I need to go see this movie so I know yeah. how that what happens with that. Yeah. Not to say like, oh look, there's a thing and then people get shot and then this person dies and then it, you know, like that was the thing is it was like this sequence of events that it didn't lead. Well, I mean, I had already seen the movie in this case, but yeah. but I feel like it's okay to leave people with questions yes. because then they want exactly. to see the movie to answer yeah. the questions. So, like, I feel like that, yeah, that could have been part of it where maybe, like, have the setup be, you know, oh, here's this guy and he's kind of interested in this girl and, uh-oh, her husband comes back. What's going to happen? And then, like, end the yeah, trailer the there. And he's involved in some shady shit. Yeah, like, so, oh, well, well oh. how are they going to, yeah, that's it. Like, right. you're, mm -hmm. you, but you're intrigued and you're wondering what's going to happen, not, oh, okay, they exactly. do a job and then it goes wrong and then... People are chasing them, and then he's going to kill people, and then he's going to save her, the and then, you know, it was just like one advertising yeah, requires a certain amount of faith in your audience. You know, that they're going to latch on and be interested and ask questions. And I guess maybe not when Drive came out, but especially in the past few years, that's we get like eight trailers for each thing, and yeah. each one is longer than the next, you know? Yeah. They just don't. They don't trust us anymore. I don't know. Really. I mean, but I mean, I've seen I've seen plenty of trailers that like don't give the story away. Right. You know, I mean, some um, do. Except, but... I mean, us, sure. You know, did a good job of that. Yeah. I but mean, but I yeah, like I haven't I feel seen like... it, but I also don't couldn't even begin to guess where it goes. Right. So I'm basing on that. Yeah, you are correct. You I, can't guess. Yeah. <laughs> so there you are. You know. But, so like they're not non-existent, but just they become much less common. Maybe. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like I don't think you have to expect much from the audience. To expect that they're going to ask questions. I feel like if anything, they're going to ask questions, mm -hmm. not draw a conclusion. Like if we we're expecting them to draw a conclusion, that's asking a bit much. Yeah. But if we're expecting them to be curious and be confused, then good. Like, well, if you're confused about this, go see it so you can see what the deal right. is. You know, not here's what this is about. Okay, thanks. Right. Oh wait, no, you're now you're supposed to want to go see it now that you know what it's about. Like that to me makes a lot less less yeah. sense. You know, and but. But again, yeah, that's the problem was the advertising, you know. Right. Exactly. I wish that, like, 
the teaser had become the norm. Like, instead of, like, kills me with Star Wars every time, because it's uh-huh. like, here's here's 15 seconds, 30 seconds of a teaser. It's like, <gasps> and then I'm so starved and hungry and horny for more Star Wars things that the next one is like, okay, a minute and a half, two minutes, I'm like, like they consuming every little bit a of it. teaser for the teaser. Yeah. Which is a still image. Like, yeah. Then the teaser. Then a trailer the teaser was part of. Then two more trailers. Yep. And then TV trailers. Mm-hmm. And then the trailers that come out after the movie's already out and you already know what's happening. So yeah. it's like, hey, remember this? Mm-hmm. I, I just, I wish that it had gone to, okay, we're going to go super simple, super quick. You're going to get just a taste of it, wait six months, and then you go and see it. Like that, I... You know what had a great trailer? Taken. Because it was... I remember seeing... The girl, you know, she goes to wherever, she gets kidnapped, um... I don't even remember if they set up that Liam Neeson is a badass or not. Right. But they just give us the phone scene of, I will find you and yeah. I will kill you. Mm-hmm. And then, like, mm-hmm. a couple of really, really quick cuts of violence happening, but you can't quite tell what. And that was like, that's the film. Go see it. <laughs> Beautiful. I mean, even to the quick cuts, because that movie is all cuts. It's all quick cuts. <laughs> it's so funny to watch that in comparison to John Wick, because they did, like, a side-to-side yeah. comparisons, like, this wide shot, all these moves. And then for Liam Neeson to get his old ass over a, uh, a fence, it's like cut, 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 cut. Now he's on the ground. <laughs> Put that up next to hard boiled, next to the hospital mm-hmm. scene. Man, but but yeah. So thank you all for coming to see it. Um, coming to see. Coming to see. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You know, thanks to a theater near for you. Not rebelling. <laughs> um, thank you, Tim, for getting spoiled but we're yeah. coming anyway yeah. and you too yeah just for not watching trailers or trying to refresh yeah all, no it's, it's good to come into it as fresh as I could this yeah. time yeah. yeah thanks and and as always of course thank you all for joining me your input is phenomenal and I've got a lot more out of this film now because of talking about it with you all so thank you so Timothy yes that includes me next up is Tim Woo! what are you doing us next month Tim? so I am going to finally as I mentioned earlier conclude my Tim's favorite Darren Aronofsky film trilogy which started with Pi at the, towards the very oh wait we said we said Koyaanisqatsi was my yeah, very first pick then Pi pick. so my second pick of the entire podcast followed by The Fountain which I, I you know they almost just called that The Tree of Life right yeah <laughs> I mean it may as well be yeah, yeah. Um, but like that was sort of like you know one was the beginning of his career this was I, I thought like where he really hit his stride and kind of hit a hit a climax and then it was kind of like okay there's some other stuff and then then Mother which I think yeah it came out the weekend we actually did the Pi podcast so it's now things are coming full circle um, and uh, and yeah to kind of to to kind of bring in I mean I think that's the other thing that's pretty I mean even though by now yeah it's like two years old now <laughs> but um, to bring in one of his that's much more recent, you know, as opposed to be, yeah, like watching Pi, which was probably decades old at the time we watched it by then, you know, and then Fountain, which was a little more recent. But yeah, this was within the past two years, you know, it's like, it's, you know, on Hulu, you know, it's 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 like there, it's still around, you know, you don't have to really look too hard to find it if, if you wanted to watch it, as opposed to some of his other stuff. Um, so yeah, so to finally kind of come to that, that 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 climax of that stuff and uh um and none of you have seen it right no okay so so this will be cool and you know it's it's i i I, you know one of the things as i'm getting closer to it i'm like i hope i haven't talked this up too much and i mean that's why i've tried not to talk too much specifically about it 
but the you know just of kind of like how and i think it when when you guys see it even if you don't like it you'll definitely see like why i think it's so great like mm -hmm. for me like why it connected with me so well and clicked with me i'm excited though yeah i'm really excited because i'm nervous because <laughs> i saw the trailer and i was like this looks twisted and scary and yeah, like, yeah it, it, it is it's not gonna make me feel good inside it was no. really neat and then uh the fountain was just the fountain's perfect such and, a great oh movie. man it, yeah it was a trip and then both of those really benefited from the conversation afterward mm -hmm. so yeah. i'm really excited to come to this third the conclusion of our journey yeah i really am and then also i really like jennifer lawrence mm -hmm. there's her breadth of scope has mm -hmm. been really impressive yeah so i'm really excited to see what aronofsky got out of her yeah you know after seeing him with hugh jackman mm -hmm. in particular yeah 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 we had wolverine now we have mystique yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah cool cool should that be a should that be a metric like how many x-men have this director directed without directing an x-men movie <laughs> one out of three animantium class <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that'll be that'll be fantastic. And then the month after that will be Zeke's first regular pick, mm -hmm. which will be regular pick. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. With a listeners. groan, <laughs> the podcast um, ends. We hope you'll be back next month. And we hope you'll we'll be back next. Till then, good night. Bye. 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 Hey, listeners, we appreciate you tuning in for our podcast. We're now available on iTunes. If you'd like to check us out there, I'd be glad to have you subscribe. We'd also love to hear your feedback, whether it's a comment, review, or anything else. You can reach us all through our official Nerds That Geek emails, which you can find on the bio page at nerdsthatgeek.com. If you want to find us on social media, I'm on Instagram at scott underscore w underscore murray, or on Twitter at scottmntg. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at joelt18. And I'm on Twitter at nerdsthatzeek. And on Instagram, I'm the Tim Gerard, and on Twitter, I'm at Tim Gerard. Thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back for more. Mm -hmm.